Welcome to the Scale Up Your Business podcast. In this podcast, we talk about what it takes to go from startup to scale up and beyond. How to significantly grow your business, create freedom, build wealth, and live life on your terms. Featuring some very special guests and experts to give you advice and direction on your journey. And now, introducing your host, entrepreneur, investor, and scale-up specialist, Nick Bradley. Hi, everyone. Nick Bradley here for another episode of Scale Up Your Business. Another week, another interview. I hope you're loving all the amazing guests that I have had on the show over the last few weeks, months, couple of years. I'm trying to always up-level the people that I bring on, not so much in in terms of their profile and and how well-known they are, but just trying to give you a mix of different experts, expertise, experiences that can help you on your business scale-up journey, but also your life journey. I mean, I I still love to think about business as being a vehicle for the other things that it can create in our lives, be that freedom, be that wealth, be that impact. So today I want to bring on a friend of mine, good friend of mine, actually. Um, We've managed to connect a few times um, over recent months uh, in different ways, actually, uh, with uh, part of the same mastermind group. Um, he lives in Miami, which is up there with one of my favorite cities in the world. Uh, he's made some great introductions to podcast guests for me to have on the show. Uh, DJ Irie, who we had on recently, was one such introduction. So today I'm delighted to have Sergio Tigera. I'm going to get his his last name wrong, and he'll forgive me for that, by the way, on the show. Now, Sergio, he is an executive coach, leadership development consultant, and he's also the host of an amazing podcast called Game Changes Live, which I have been a guest on. But the thing I like about Sergio in particular is he focuses, a little bit like me, he focuses on the business side of things. He also focuses on the life side of things. He focuses on how to build confidence, how to break through limiting beliefs, how to become the best version of yourselves. But the thing that makes him different, I think, is he he talks about results in a very practical and easy easy to understand way, which makes it much easier to correlate. Because sometimes I think when you get into this world of mentoring, coaching, helping people achieve what they want in business and in life, you can get somewhat academic about it. And the good thing about Sergio is he's not like that at all. He's very much about listening to what someone needs and working specifically with them on exactly the outcome, exactly the result that they are trying to get to. So I hope you enjoyed this conversation. Lots of cool perspectives, lots of cool insights. Like everything, I want you to take something away. I want you to apply it uh, so it makes your life, your business better. So welcome to scale up your business, my good friend, Sergio Tigera. Okay, hello everybody, it's Nick Bradley here again. Welcome to another episode of Scale Up Your Business. Two years of this now, (laughs) unbelievable. And you know what the best thing, as I always say, is interviewing amazing people, great guests with great stories who just, you know, by telling those stories, and having those conversations helps lots and lots of people. So today, I'm delighted to have on the show Sergio, Sergio, Tigera. I, I always do that, don't I, Sergio? Welcome. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Nick. Sergio. Um, so let's, let's do a quick intro, and then I'll get you to jump into it. So you have had a pretty full-on career. We connected um, you know, around mindset and business and all those sort of cool things, coaching. But you are a speaker, executive coach. You've had 20 years of, of international and domestic experience. 
many leadership roles. You've got a, um, what is it? A bachelor of business. You've got an international business and marketing deal. You've got an MBA. Um, you've done heaps of different stuff. And now you've got your own sort of consultancy business called Progress Partners. You've got an amazing podcast called Game Changers Live, which I've been on. <laughs> as we're recording this. Uh, and the other thing is I'm feeling really bad because Sergio looks like really cool. He's dressed really cool. He's got this amazing kind of pink, purple Miami background. Uh, yeah. And I'm, I'm here like I haven't shaved. <laughs> I've been on Clubhouse too much. Um, but listen, mate, welcome. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Nick. It's, it's amazing to be here, brother. I think uh, we, we align so much in our thinking, our personality. So it's, it's a pleasure to be on. Yeah, brilliant. No, absolutely. Yeah, because we've connected quite a bit. And um, uh, DJ Irie, who was uh, on the show a little while back, uh, you introduced us and that was a great conversation. And uh, the other thing I think also is I love Miami, where you're based. Um, and, you know, obviously we'll get together and, you know, have a drink or a coffee or, <laughs> or something. It's a fun city to be in. It's pretty hot right now with the tech scene and everything going on. So it's fun. Excellent. Well, listen, let's go a little bit deeper into, into you, Sergio, because I mean, I gave you a, a, a bit of a, an intro there, but just tell us the backstory because, you know, kind of, you know, what you have done, what you're doing now and, and particularly the transition into those things. Yeah. So I was born and raised in Miami, Florida. So I'm, I'm first generation American to Cuban parents, Cuban immigrants who came over in the, in the late sixties when Castro was just coming into power. Right. And so they came in and had to re, you know, restart their life all over again. So I was fortunate enough to be you know, the youngest of three, um, had a great upbringing here in, in sunny South Florida, played baseball growing up, you know, as, as most Cubans do down here, uh, went to uh, went to college and had a big passion around uh, business and bringing out the potential in people. So, you know, from an early on, I, from early on, I started taking on leadership roles, um, you know, president of my fraternity, president of the student body, things like that, where I was really stretching my comfort zone, which actually plays in well to kind of our conversation that's going to happen today. Um, and I think something that a lot of people can relate to. So I, I graduated uh, university back in 01 at FIU in Miami and spent the next 14 years with a, a Fortune 50 company called Caterpillar, Caterpillar Incorporated. Yeah, okay. And it had all the makings of the experience that I wanted. I wanted that Fortune 50 company, international experience, you know, growth opportunities. But I was never really passionate about the products, right? I mean, very cool products, big trucks and wheels and, you know, tractors, things like that. But um, it, it grew on me. So over the next 14 years, I, um, I worked in Illinois, in central Illinois. And funny enough, I got to Peoria, Illinois, which is a very small town. In I know Illinois. where it is. It's, it's so funny because I've been there. Yeah. Well, there you go. There you yeah, go. Yeah, That's another story. Cause I had to, I had to close down a whole business there once in my private equity days, <laughs> Oh boy. <laughs> different there business, a media business actually. But, um, but yeah, I know, I know it. So that's bizarre. I didn't realize that you were, that you were yeah, basically. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm, I got to Peoria the day before nine 11 happened, literally on September 10th, 2001. And, you know, the next day the, the planes hit, right? So anyway, fast forward, uh, spent about three years there, had an opportunity to then uh, go live and work in Europe because I spoke Spanish. I think I was the only guy in the factory where I worked that they spoke Spanish. So moved to uh, Geneva, Switzerland, spent about three years there covering Europe, Africa, and the Middle East. Then I went to Rome for about three years as, as a consultant for operations for the dealers, then to Panama, 
for about three years covering the Caribbean and Northern South America. So I had a great tour of duty. Uh, finally made it back to, to Miami where, you know, got married, had kids, kind of finally settled down, went off to do my MBA, uh, spent a couple years in uh, executive director positions for, for the College of Business at, at FIU where I went to school, uh, and then in consulting, and then a few years ago, opened up my own shop and absolutely did that because I was following the breadcrumbs, meaning that the things that I knew that I was passionate about which was bringing out the potential in people, speaking on stages, influencing people's lives and impacting their lives so that they could be the best version of themselves and was finally able to do that and bring it in together in, in the organization that, I, that I've created now and through the, you know, through the podcast and the, and the courses and so forth. And what was the point? So, so when did you realize that you wanted to do that? Because that's, I mean, I had a, a corporate career as well and, and our stories are not dissimilar. We've spoken about that a little bit. But what was the point? What was the point where you realized that you wanted to step more into that area, which is the mindset, personal development area around business and leadership versus just being a really good operational person, you know, a leader right. within a business? Right. Well, you know what happened is that for 14 years, I had the golden handcuffs on. <laughs> yeah. So relate to that, that oh, they're yeah. too comfortable. It's just, it's too good of a situation. You know, the, the company's good. Um, the people are great. The pay is great. The benefits, the travel, it, it's almost too good to leave. And it's a shame though, because so many people just get caught up in that because it happened to be the offer that you got at some point in time and you kind of grew into it and, and you put your passions and your, and your, and your, uh, you know, your potential on hold kind of on the side um, for so many years. And so it got to the point where I was just um, feeling unfulfilled and, you know, time was just going by so slow and you know how it is when you're in the zone and you're doing what you love time flies. But when you're, when you're in the opposite side, it's lethargic. It's just impacting my, my, my confidence, my desire, everything. So at that point I said, okay, what are the things, the characteristics of the things that I was doing when I felt at my peak? And we've all been there, right? We've all had times in our lives where we, you know, we closed a big deal. Um, you know, we, we finished a, a bachelor's or MBA or some, something happened that you were just on top of the world. You're in that state of flow. And, I said, okay, what was going on in those points that made me feel that way? So I started following the breadcrumbs. I said, this is it. I, I got to follow my, my passion. Got it. Okay. But let's go a bit deeper, right? Cause that's what we do here. Yeah, <laughs> so, so, you know, I, I, I like the analogy of the golden handcuffs and I was certainly there as well. And my situation was probably similar, but there were a few things that went on, but what, but what was the point where you thought this isn't me or this isn't good enough? And to use your words specifically, good and great, why wasn't great good enough? You know, there, there's, a, there's a great book um, that I'm reading right now called The Big Leap, Gay oh, Hedger. Yeah. It talks great about, book. exactly, your zone of excellence and your zone of genius. I was in my zone of excellence. I could do my job with my hand, you know, my eyes closed. That wasn't a problem. But again, I, I knew that I wasn't fulfilling my purpose here and my time here. And I know that time is finite, you know, as we get older, you was, get a little but bit was there a realization? Was there a point? I mean, because, you know, I, the, the analogy I use to this situation, it's a little bit like uh, the frog, right? That gets, you know, in the boiling water and the water's heat, it heats up slowly. And there's a point where the frog dies, but doesn't quite realize that that's happening. Is, is it like that? You know, you were slowly dying, but you didn't quite realize. It, and then there was a point where it was obvious. 
Um, I, I knew it from, from the start, actually fr from the time I got my, you know, my job offer. But again, there were so many great things, you know, 95% of my bucket was filled because it had the attributes of the things I was looking for, but I knew it wasn't my calling. And so I, I but that's the bit that. I want to go into. So, so, yeah, so cause again, just to jump in, cause I think it's the reason, the reason I like to probe deeper with people is I think there are a lot of people listening to this who are where you were and certainly where I was. But when you say it wasn't your calling, how did you know that? What was the feeling or was there a situation where something happened and you, you had the realization? You see what I mean? I want to understand if you, because there's a point where for me, it, I, I got quite sick. Like I, I had an incident. We spoke about it, you know, my teeth and a few other mm -hmm. things happened where my body literally told me you have to now stop. I'm just curious if your situation was similar, mate, it doesn't matter if it was or wasn't. It's just, I'm curious about when you knew and if there was a trigger. Yeah. So when, when I, when I began, I already knew that I wasn't passionate about these products because I've never been into anything like in terms of construction trucks and any of that stuff. Um, but like I said, it, it was kind of like that, that frog in the water, right? It was, it was slowly building up. Luckily <clears throat> it built up to the point where I said, I can't take this anymore. Like you said. Yeah. So I felt it from the beginning. I knew that I wasn't, I wasn't passionate about the products necessarily because I was, I didn't grow up playing with, with trucks and, and tractors and things like that. Right. But it had everything that I wanted in the company in terms of the experiences. So it was that slow cook over, over 14 years. But like I said, you know, I, I felt like it was a hot tub for 10 years, like relaxing in the hot tub because I was overseas as an expat international and I had the golden handcuffs on. But then finally, when I got back to Miami, um, settled down and really started saying, okay, I, I can't do this for much longer. It was, it was it physically impacting me. I would, I would feel lethargic. I had no energy. I had no desire to do what I was doing. And the days dragged on and it just got to the point where I said, I can't even, I can't do this anymore. Even if I don't have a next thing that I need to go to that I, I can land on, I need to get out of here because so, it's, it's okay. So did you have a next thing at that point? So let's just talk about that part of the journey. Did you, did you do the traditional burn the boats? Like that's it, I'm out. And now I'm going to kind of figure it out later. Uh, or did you strategically build the business you have now while you were employed? No, I, I, uh, <laughs> I burned the boats. I burned the boats, you know, maybe not the, the, the wisest decision, but <laughs> wise, um, emotionally, it was such a, a, a burden that I was getting off my shoulders that didn't allow me to, to think. But that's when I started saying, okay, what are the things that those characteristics, looking back at my life that really lit me up? And so I put those together. One of them happened to be the university where I went to. And so I actually, you know, started connecting again with, with them and went on as their executive director for development in the College of Business. It was right up my alley, you know. So I, so I jumped into that and little by little, I kept moving myself towards those, those clues about bringing out the, pe the potential in people and, and, uh, and, and speaking more on stages and impacting people's lives because that's where the passion is. And eventually, look, it's not, it's not easy and it's, and it's extremely scary because if you have a family, you got bills to pay, you got mortgages, you have two kids, all that stuff, you, you can't necessarily just leave, right? I mean, that's what most people think. There's a lot to risk there. But at the same time, we can't keep um, ourselves trapped by fear. 
because, you know, a lot of times you have the old acronym of fears, false expectations appearing real. We make things out to be so much more uh, negative or, or scarier than they are. That when you do have the, the confidence to step out on your own, you're going to see that you're gonna, your wings are going to spread because you will find a way. And that's a mindset component that you need to ingrain. And in a deep way is that no matter what, I know that I will find a way. And it's a belief. And, and did you, you know, have any help with that? I mean, where did you learn that? Yeah. So um, as I was in my first year of Caterpillar, I took a, a, uh, a course by a company called the Pacific Institute. And I ended up after FIU going to be their executive director for a few years. And that was my aha moment. That was my epiphany. Because when, once you realize that your beliefs have a lot more to do with your success than your abilities, all bets are off because then you're like, oh, well, wait a minute. I can just change my beliefs. I can just change my programming and do a lot more than I even thought was possible. So if you look at, for example, you know, look at Michael Phelps, look at Mother Teresa, look at Steve Jobs, right? Steve Jobs' belief was that he wanted to make a dent in the universe. I mean, that's insane, right? But that was his, he, you know, that was his belief. Mother Teresa is just a little old lady. How could she impact so many people? Well, that was her mantra. That was her belief, right? That she can. And so um, you need to believe in yourself and it's not that easy, right? But as you start building up your self-talk, build, building up your self-worth, all that starts coming into play. And, um, and that's, you know, was my aha moment, right? That I could write my future. It's and not you, you didn't know that beforehand. So you, you, because there's a piece, there's a piece here. So, to, to join the dots up a little bit here for everybody, because there's a couple of observations I'll make as well. Because my, my situation was different, right? So I didn't burn the boats, right? I was super strategic, for, for lots of different reasons. Some of the ones that you suggested, even though I made the decision, I didn't execute the decision, like in, the, in as quickly. And there lots of it wasn't really a fear related thing. I mean, you could argue. You know, because Arnold Schwarzenegger has a great video on YouTube where he says you shouldn't have a plan B. I, I don't think, again, for my mental state, that would get me into an optimum position, right? Yeah. You know, I, 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 for me, it's like when I'm when I have too many things going on at any one time, then I'm not as resourceful, right? So I like to be focused. Yeah. But there's a couple of things here. So you're you're feeling trapped. You know that you need to be doing something else. Uh, you burn the boats, as we as we said. Did it, was there anyone helping you at this point? Because because I'm I'm expecting here that your strength of understanding of mindset and belief systems, yeah. Did you have that before you made the decision, or did you start to learn more about that after? I'm just trying to get the timeline right, just to understand it. No, the the education on on beliefs, on habits, on attitudes, and everything that I teach today happened early on, and I've been practicing early on in my caterpillar career when I when I took that course. I think that was a okay. Game. So sorry, yeah, you mentioned that you did say yeah. You so you were, you were so that was the spark then actually. So you realized that you could change when you were yeah. in a situation that that you probably then realized wasn't really serving you. Right, and I had a chance to put that into practice over the next you know thirteen years. 14 years. So at, at that point where I decided this was too much for me, I already had, you know, I had, you know, I was built like Arnold Schwarzenegger in my mind in terms of my mindset and my fortitude to overcome any challenge because I had overcome so many challenges. Um, as I grew, because we're, you know, you're getting out of your comfort zone, you feel like that imposter 
and getting over imposter syndrome, you do it enough times, then you almost welcome it. That means you're growing. That means yeah, yeah. you're, you're expanding. Well, let's get into that because yeah. this is the thing. So I, I've said this, I think when I was on your podcast, if I went out there and just spoke about mindsets, I wouldn't have anyone listen to my podcast. I'd have a few people. I'd have crazy people like you and I, right? <laughs> we talk about it. And there's a really important reason behind that is because everyone needs to understand the power of mindset, but people get spooked by it because it can be quite ethereal, right? And so, so you know, even the stuff you were saying about belief systems and stuff like that, I totally get it because I've gone through that journey. But a lot of people are very intimidated by that. You know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. like, so, so how do you contextualize that? So with what you do now, because we'll start to move into what you do now. Because what I'm saying here is if you go out there and just go boom, 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 there's a, there's a lot of people I know from the Tony Robbins world who do this all the time, but they don't meet people where they are. You know what I mean? Yeah. How, yeah. how do you balance yeah. that? Because we can have this conversation, but there's a lot of people listening to this who might be going, that all sounds really good, Sergio, but seriously, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So- yeah, when we speak here, obviously we're speaking in in, in kind of ten thousand foot level yeah. terms and, and kind of generalities, right? Because we're not speaking to about a specific case. But for example, when I sit with my with my coaching clients, I'll I'll kind of take take them the, the the survey of the land, kind of the lay of the land. Where are you in all these areas? You know, in a, in a mental um, state, in a physical space, um, in your emotional, in your relationships. What are the things that are, you feel are holding you back? to really dig into a surgical level and then start working on that in, in that type of, uh, you know, at that level, right? Not at this 10,000 foot kind of, we speak in, in theory at this 10,000 foot, but then you bring it down, you know, to, to where they're at. And how does That's that work for you? So, so you, you've got a very clear psychology and emotional state around these things now. How do you put that into practice yourself? So, um, well, I'll keep, give you a quick example, like for example, on, on clubhouse and everybody, if we're talking about imposter syndrome and growing out of your comfort zone. Um, so think about, think about your comfort zone as, as, um, like this rubber band, right. Fits loosely around, I'm wearing a rubber band around my wrist for those of you listening and you put one on your wrist and it just kind of hangs loosely there, right. Easy to go, you know, feels good. It's fine. When you, when you start to stretch your comfort zone, it's like pulling the rubber band away from your wrist, right? You could, you could do that and you're, you're kind of forcing it, right? You're, you're physically holding it over. Now, how long can I hold this? Maybe for, you know, 10 minutes, an hour before my arm just gets so tired. And then I snap it back and let go. And you, you know, you come back to your comfort zone. That's like stretching your comfort zone. So you have your comfort zone, you have your stretch zone, then you have your imposter syndrome zone, which is like kind of like that red outer zone where your every fiber in your body is screaming to, hey, get out of here. You don't belong here. Um, you're not good enough. You're not educated enough. You're not talented enough to be in this group of people. Get back home where it's safe, where you feel good, where it's comfortable in your tribe, in your, in your zone, right? Um, so, you know, when you, when you stretch the rubber band, what do you feel? You feel tension, you feel resistance. And so whenever I feel that, I feel that tension because it manifests in actual feelings when you're stretching your comfort zone, you know it. Um, you know, let's say you don't, you've never tried sushi, something simple. And you, you know, you have a little bit of fear because you don't like raw fish and oh my, am I gonna get sick? Okay, that's a stretch zone. But if you are, you know, fearful of, of speaking on stages and you're asked to, to speak in front of 500 people, then, you know, the, all the red lights come on, the flags, you know, imposter syndrome, imposter, you know, come back, come back. 
and we creatively avoid, we find ways to get away from it, right? And, and to avoid doing it. Um, and those are signals. Those are, so when you see those things happening in your life, stop and ask yourself, okay, what is it that I'm, why am I avoiding this? Because it, that's all about, uh, you know, attitudes are all about whether you lean into something or you lean away from it. It's not good or bad if you, you know, it's just what direction are you leaning in? So if you find yourself creatively avoiding it, means you have a negative attitude towards it. There's something that's causing that. And it's not your lack of ability. It's something in your belief system is telling you that, hey, you're not good enough to do this. Well, it's always fear. I mean, every, everything, everything comes back. You know, the, the root cause of everything is fear. It's the fear of, as you said, not being good enough, being judged, uh, that something bad could happen. You know, I could be embarrassed. My status is challenged, whatever it is, right? You know, lots of different things. People won't love or like me. Right. Yeah, correct. But all yeah. that stuff is, is as we know, I mean, cause it's funny and, and maybe I'm a bit of an extreme example. I, I live in the red zone pretty much all the time, exactly. but you know, yeah. and, and, and I still feel it. I mean, I'm talking about clubhouse, you know, when I was on stage interviewing um, Grant Cardone the other day, it was only for about five minutes. And I was, you know, having, I was like, Oh shit, Nick, don't say, don't ask the wrong stupid question <laughs> now. <laughs> Right. Whereas I'm talking to you, right. I'm super comfortable, right. You know, cause we've connected before and like, it just, it's a more flow based conversation. Right. But I right. know that if I put myself into those situations, the red zones, as you, as you, and I like, I like that analogy too. Um, then I know that when I come out of that zone, I'm a few percentage points better, more comfortable, whatever the terminology is than I was before. Exactly. And it's just intimidation because you felt that you weren't at that level of, of a Grant Cardone, but you know what? Hey, he puts on his pants the same way we do. He puts on his shirt. He deals with the same, you know, types of problems, bigger scale, but you know what? He has fears as well. You, you saw him on undercover billionaire when he got all his money taken. Oh, away. Don't, don't, I'm in the up to, I'm in the up to episode three and I love it. Okay. okay. <laughs> Well, and the reason see. is we can't get it in the UK. I'm sort of, I'm oh, transfixed. So, uh, um, but yeah, but I know what you mean. Like you see, I like that show. Because it's quite, and, yeah. Exactly. Desperation in his eyes. And this is a guy who's, you know, who's made it, so to speak, right? Every, everybody gets it. Everybody gets um, um, the imposter syndrome. Maya Angelou, you know, the, the, the famed author, right? On her, I think it was like 11th or 12th book. She said, all right, they're, they're, they're finally going to figure me out after this one that I'm a fraud, you know, so everybody suffers from this. Um, you know, they say about 70% of the people experience it. And it's not a, you know, it's not a mental disorder. It's just a phenomenon that, at, you know, as we grow, it probably came from, you know, from being in the cave. And when you go outside, it's dangerous. So you pull yourself back, safety mechanism. Um, but at the end of the day, look, we don't have the, you know, the, the monsters out there. We don't have the tigers. We're making, if you assume that whatever you're fearful of, is a 10th of the size that you're making it out to be. And the, the way to overcome it is action. Take action. Because how many times in your life have you been in a situation where you were, you had that imposter syndrome, you, you, you had that fear, and then you did it and you're like, oh, well, that wasn't that bad. It wasn't as bad as I was making it out to be, right? Probably every time. Well, it's, all, it's always that, but there's two, there's two reasons why, right? One, one reason why is because it's never that bad anyway. But the yeah. second reason why is you get a sense of pride and self-worth from going through that decision and therefore taking mm -hmm. action. Right. And that, you know what it's like when you've, when you finish doing a speech or something, if, if you find that difficult, as soon as you finished, you feel on top of the world. Exactly. That, that, and that, and that's that, and that's, that's the benefit. If you like, that's the celebration that comes from jumping into something that you feel uncomfortable about and then, and then getting through it. 
Yeah. And, and, you know, one thing I, I love to tell my, my clients and I love, you know, you're a sports guy. I love watching sports center here in, in the U S it's kind of like the main sports show. They always have the top 10. <clears throat> so the top 10 plays, I tell my people, I said, look back at your life and what's your top 10 highlight reel list those down and relive those in your mind. Because what that does is build up your self-efficacy, the belief in yourself. So if you, if there was a way to bottle that feeling that you have, you know, when, when you, uh, when you, when you overcame something great and be able to pull that out and have a, have a shot of it, before, you know, when you're feeling that fear, it'd be the biggest invention, in, you know, in history, right? Because everybody would love that, but it's, it's possible. You got to practice it. You got to practice it and take action whenever you're, whenever you're feeling that, that fear. Cool. Okay. I've got a couple, a couple of areas I want to explore before we, we finish up. Right. So, and, and they're relatively interesting questions for me anyway. I like them. So what's, if, if we look ahead, like to the vision of what you're creating, so where you are now, what does that look like? What, what, what does an outstanding life for you look like over the next, say, couple of decades? An outstanding life for me is, is having the, the, the freedom of time, which you can get by generating passive income, right? And scaling your business in a way that, um, that doesn't require you to be there 24 hours a day. Um, so having that time where I can spend with my family, because that's, that's the biggest thing. I know that time, you know, I have two little ones. I have a three and an eight-year-old and those, you know, the days are long, but the years go by very fast. And once they're gone, they're gone. You can never get those back. I have, you know, friends who, who travel a lot and, and missed out on that. So time first off, and then the passive income so that I can choose what projects I want to, I want to work on that fill my bucket because it's all about fulfillment. And what fills my bucket is, is seeing other people grow to their potential and showing them that showing them their potential, because a lot of people don't see it. Right. But when somebody shows it to you from the outside and you spark that, that, wow, that confidence, somebody has a confidence in me that I can do more. It's an amazing gift. And, and you're leaving a legacy that way. And so my fuel is impacting others, seeing them grow and be the best version of themselves. And so that's where I see, you know, my, my company growing, my coaching practice going, my, my course and this education, because education is self-education is probably the number one investment you can ever make. So you got to be constantly hungry, reading or listening to books, getting yourself in the circles of people who had that experience that, that had that, that other influence and a different point of view, having that diversity, you know, I, I live in Miami. It's, it's a, a huge multicultural melting pot and there's so much talent here. There's so many points of view and it's a choice to, to be open to that, to embrace it and use every moment that you can in your day to be growing. Excellent. I love it. And, and where does, so you've got, as you said, we talked about the very beginning, you've got your podcast game changes live. Where does that fit into all of this for you? So the, the premise of the show is that I interview people who have been game changers in their field, mm -hmm. have done something really significant and have impacted the lives of thousands and which is exactly what I want to do. And so this puts me, that's the great thing about podcasting is that you can decide your, your lane, right? So if you said, I'm only going to interview 
billionaires. And then that already narrows it down to, you know, either yes or no, you know, there's no black or white. And <laughs> well, unless that, someone's uh, rented a Ferrari or a Lamborghini yeah. <laughs> or a private jet, you know, the, the fake printers, as they say, but you're right, you know, it's not, yeah, you can yeah. work that out pretty quickly. <laughs> and, and we go into, uh, you know, their stories, not only their successes, but their struggles and, and when they thought they were going to lose it all and what they had to do to overcome that, because that story is going to inspire others on their journey. And that's what it's all about. And that, that's why I love doing it. I meet amazing people like yourself and, and Irie and all these others. And again, that elevates your, your level, not, not, not in a status, but in a mental, uh, a mental toughness. Um, I interviewed somebody uh, that'll come out here soon. He's, he's the uh, CEO and founder of a $500 million company, NASDAQ, publicly traded company that is growing. And he's Israeli. He was in the Israeli special forces and he attributed that training to giving him the mental fortitude to then survive as an entrepreneur, you know? And so those lessons are awesome. Right. And, and, and hearing those stories inspires me and inspires others. Yeah, you learn so much from that. It reminds me of the story when we talked about running marathons and ultra marathons, which is a, it's probably not the same as getting shot at in some war-torn <laughs> country, but but, you, but the, the, the the message is grit, right? Yeah. You know, you work the mind, and that that has benefits across other areas of your life for sure. And David Goggins, you know, for oh, example, yeah. right? I know, that's I like, know, that's another level. <laughs> the, the king of ultra marathons and fortitude in terms of mindset. That's probably the extreme right there. If you haven't read that book, you know. no, no, it's my favorite book of about two years ago. And and because I, as I said, I'm into that space, you know, extreme endurance events um, or ultra endurance events. Then for me, that was like the best book ever. Particularly the the audio book where he kind of does it like a, a hybrid podcast, you know, interview as yeah. well. All right, so I'm going to finish up with one one. Uh, this is this is a um, a challenging question, but I always I'm always fascinated by the response, right? Um, and I don't want it to sound too morbid. But if you had four to five words to be written on your headstone, right? You know, if you're thinking that, what would they be? Four or five words that, de- that describe me kind of. Uh, it can be a statement, but if you think about it, it's a question about legacy, really. Yeah. Mm, that's an interesting one. I- I'm thinking um, persistence. Because I'm, I kind of got a hard head when I'm when I'm after something. I'm like a dog with a bone, you know. I won't let it go until, <laughs> until I decide to. Love it. Uh, so persistent, um, confident, good-hearted. Maybe that's one slash two. Um, passionate and and family. I think kind of those awesome. I don't like to tell people that in advance, by the way. Describe me, you know. Um, I've always been somebody who's been, I I grew up, for example, do you remember Motley Crue? Oh, yeah. I'm I'm an old guy. Like, I don't look it, but I (laughs) (laughs) I'm 46, man. Like, you know, I'm I'm looking at 50 for the next birthday, right? But yeah, Motley Crue, man. I can't remember all their names. I'm 42. So my dream as a kid was to be Vince Neil and be on stage, you know, and singing Home Sweet Home and all this stuff, right? Because the way he was able to, and, and any artist is able to influence and impact the, you know, the reactions, the, the feelings, the states of all these people was so, it's just like the holy grail for me. Not because of the power of it, but, but the ability to, to impact and make people feel a certain thing, right? That, that is what has been my dream all along. And that's why I love speaking. I love being, you know, speaking with, with, with bigger crowds, the better, 
because I get to kind of replay that fantasy of being Vince Neil and, you know, and letting people come home feeling amazing, right. And feeling better than they, than they walked in with. And, you know, that's my objective in everything that I do is I want you to walk out of my experience better than when you walked in. And that's my, that's my commitment to you and to everybody. See, that's cool. The, the headstone tombstone question is always hard. I don't like to say it in advance because part of it is about, you know, it's a reflection question. Right. Yeah. You know? And of course you, you'll go away now and you'll reflect on it even more. <laughs> everyone yeah, does. But, but I think it, but it really it's a question about standards and values, you know, and kind of when you look back on your life and the, and the contribution or the impact that you made, there's only really a few things that really matter. And more often than not, it's about, you know, who you were or who you are as a person, right. And who you inspired and, and what really mattered around those things. Whenever I've asked that question, no one ever says about money. No one ever says really about yeah. status. So there's a lesson in that in its own right. Yeah. You can't leave with it. So my, the legacy is what you can leave. Exactly. Well, listen, mate, um, Sergio, we've been planning this for a while. Yeah. <laughs> it's good to have you on the show. And I am looking forward to uh, getting on a plane again when this whole COVID thing finishes and, and getting down there and watching a heat game or something like that. So it's been a pleasure, Absolutely. mate, having you on the show. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you, brother. Where can people find you if they want to know more about um, your coaching, you know, your different methods, you've got the peak performance method, your training, your podcasts, uh, where can people reach out to you? Yeah. So on Instagram is probably the easiest speaker surge, S E R G speaker surge. Uh, and also SergioTijera.com. It's like tiger with an A at the end, SergioTijera.com uh, or on LinkedIn, you know, I really stuffed up your name, didn't I? <laughs> You're not the first, you won't be the last. Oh, you know what? It's, it's a thing. Everyone knows. Uh, everyone knows that that's like not my superpower. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, mate, I'm sure, I'm sure we'll also be on stage in Clubhouse together doing a few bits and pieces. So for anyone, anyone who's listening to that as well, you know, look out for us on that platform as it starts to grow as well. But yeah, I just want to say, mate, an absolute pleasure to interview on Scale Up Your Business. Delighted to have you on the show. Thank you very much. Thank you, brother. I appreciate you. And there you have it, another episode of Scale Up Your Business. Thank you very much for listening. And if you haven't yet, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts. It really does help the show become even better. And while you're there, make sure you hit that subscribe button to help you on your scale up journey. Now, perhaps you're thinking of growing and scaling your business. Perhaps now is the time. If that's you, then please check out suyb.global. That's where we have all of our programs, including the Growth Accelerator Partnership, the Maximize Value Partnership, all of our services, and of course, coaching and mentoring. Once again, be grateful, be brave, have faith, and show up. Until next time.